I'm excited for what the Lord's doing, where we're going, and uh, even part of this with Tony will tie into our message this morning. Last week, we uh, preached a message to you on the power of one, and something so powerful happens when just one person believes in God. When one person just believes in who they are in Christ and allows God to reveal his purpose and work his plan through their life. So this morning, I want to take that just to another level, if we could, and uh, let me just ask you, did you bring your Bibles? You're going to find out there's a reason why I'm so intent on you bringing your Bible, bringing a notepad and a piece of paper. It is so important for you to have knowledge. We're going to see it here in the morning that you need to know who you are in Christ. And you need to know it from a personal level, not just because somebody told you. It's one thing that I tell you. It's another thing that you know for yourself. Amen? And uh, so become a good... uh, well, no, I won't even say that. Did you bring, <laughs> say this with me. I was going to make an analogy. It wasn't working right there in my brain. So praise the Lord. I stick with my notes. I go off on the side. I get in trouble. Praise the Lord. Watch it. Say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you that you will move in our lives by your word and by your spirit. Holy Spirit, cause the word to come to life in our hearts and in our lives. Cause us to see all that you have declared that we are in your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Let me just kind of recapulate this because we talked about there's so much power in one. I said last week, we are one nation under God. That's what we are declared to be. We are one nation under God. Now, as one nation, we are made up of all ethnics, background, all, all, all different parts of culture and everything else. We're made up of all that. But it's not about who we are individually. It's who we are together as one. What's happening right now in our nation, just as an illustration, is that everything, it's working very hard. We're we're in an age of what's called identity politics. And so everybody wants you to identify with either what your economic status is, what your racial status is, what your sexual status is, whatever it is, they want you to identify. And then they want you just to separate into your group. Are you with me? And, and just see yourself just as your group, not us together. And so anything that causes us to fragment apart breaks down the power of unity and being one. In the church, it's the same way. People go, well, I'm this or I'm that. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1, some say, you guys, some say I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of Stephan, I'm of this, I'm of that. He says, you guys are carnal when you do that. And it's immature to break down and identify you are all one in Christ. Amen? Romans chapter 12, or 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, the moment you get saved, you are baptized. We are all baptized into one body. Christ only has one body in the earth. Doing all right? And if you look at the church, the church is a lot like that. We have different denominations, different... I like churches to restaurant. My, my, my view on church is this. Churches are like restaurants. They all serve food. They just serve different kinds of food. But it's all food. Are you with me? And we all serve the Word. The Word is the bread of life. So we're serving food. Some of us cook differently. I prefer food with spice. Some people like really bland food. If you want to go to that restaurant or go to that church, God bless you. Amen. I prefer a little spice in life. Amen. 
Amen. I like it a little hot. I like it to make me sweat. Amen. And I even like it when it gives me gas every now and then. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me know I've been eating. Praise the Lord. So the power of one is so powerful. Follow with me in your outline. The power of one has redeemed all of humanity. God always has and always will look for just one who will say yes to living to fulfill his purpose through their life. The church is one body with one Savior, called to one hope, filled with one spirit to fulfill one purpose. The purpose of the church is to preach the gospel to just one more. Everybody, please look up here for just a moment. The purpose of the church is not to make you happy. The purpose of the church is not to meet all your needs. The purpose of the church is to come together to equip you, to encourage you to do the work of the ministry, which is to reach one more with the gospel. Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And as I shared last week, when we lose someone like Tony in our life, a loved one, a family member, a dear friend, someone like that, we grieve because we're separated for a season. We carry a hope on the inside of us that we know that we have the hope of being reunited together in heaven and when we're reunited together we'll be joined together for all of eternity that's our hope when Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica he said comfort each other with these sayings that the dead in Christ will rise first and we will all join to meet them in the air so shall we ever be with the Lord amen so we carry that hope but the heart of God carries this he understands that anybody who dies without Christ will be separated from him, not for a season, but for all of eternity. So God is long-suffering. And the purpose of the church is to tell people, 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that God was in the world, reconciling the world to himself through Christ. God was in the world, in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And he's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation, that we would go and tell the world that Christ came so they could be restored in relationship. You were created for fellowship with God. God's eternal purpose is that you would spend eternity with him. You were created. Man was created in the beginning for fellowship and communion with God. Uh, Tim was talking about it in, in this area, fellowship and being around table and, and embracing with one another. We're created for fellowship with one another and with God. God came to restore that relationship, and the purpose of the church is so all might hear. Amen? That's our goal. That's our purpose. In the meantime, we teach and we train and we disciple people to know all that God has provided for them so we can be released. When I come to that understanding, I'm now released to be able to go and be and to live for His glory. Amen? So Scripture and history teaches us that there's no limit to what God can do through one person who believes in who they are in Christ and what God will do through their lives for His glory to fulfill His eternal purpose in the earth. And, and in that, like I said earlier, you were created for His glory. He wasn't created for your pleasure. God does not exist for your pleasure. You exist to bring Him glory. But when you start living to the praise of His glory, your life is filled with more pleasure than you could ever comprehend. The greatest joy in life is knowing that my life is bringing glory to God. Amen. The Christian life will remain nothing more than a weekly experience until we come to the place where we fully understand whose we are. You belong to God. You are God's. 
We are in the value that has been placed upon in and upon our lives by God through Christ. You belong to God and he has ascribed his value to you. Religion will only ask you for one day a week. While relationship with God asks you for every day. Because he wants everything we have and desires to give everything he is to us. Let me, let me just interject this to you here. Everything God asks you to do in a type of obedience in the word. Everything this word asks us to do in obedience is for one reason. It opens a door for God to release all that he wants into our life. He asks us, everything he says, if you'll do this, I will. That's why all the promises are contingent. If you do this, I will do this. And the reason it is there is because God made man the authority. He needs your invitation into his life to be who he desires to be to you. And so when we act in that, then God releases all that he has. But I, I, I said it in first service, I'll say it again. I wonder how well our marriages we work if we did marriage like we do church. If we only went home as often as we go to church. If we only supported the family needs as much as we support the church. Okay, it didn't go over in first service either. <laughs> I love you, honey. I'm just going to come home once every three weeks. And I'll put $5 in your bank account once every three weeks. Amen. Amen. That didn't go over either in first service. <laughs> but when you love somebody, that's why a marriage vow is this. A marriage vow says, all that I am and all that I ever shall be, I give you now. A marriage vow is completely giving yourself. Two people completely give themselves to one another. We don't hold back part. We're completely given to one another. And life in Christ, this is what God has said took communion the Lord said I've completely given my life for you this is my body this is my blood given to you this is this is his marriage vow to you you're the bride of Christ this is your husband he has given his life to you now what is your vow to him That didn't go over either, praise the Lord. <laughs> Watch it. See, when we understand the fullness of the value God has placed upon our lives and his willingness to pay the price for our complete redemption, we will never again question his will to answer our prayer and to meet the needs in our life. If you really knew how valuable you were to God and his willingness to pay the price to redeem you, which he did when you partook of this morning in communion, you never get quite, well, I wonder if God hears me. I wonder if God's going to move on my path. I just don't know what God's will is for my life. You, you would never have any questions like that again. Because you would know the value that you are to him. Look inside your outline. I put these three passages of scripture in there for you. Because I wanted you to have them and to be able to follow along with me. Paul writes to 1 Corinthians in first to the church at Corinth in chapter 1 verses 4 through 9. I thank my God always upon, uh, always concerning you for the grace. Somebody say the grace. So look at this, for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. So what was get, Tim was talking about, the grace of God forgiving, that you would also excel in this grace. That, that grace is God's power working on your behalf. You don't have the ability to do it, you don't have the strength. You're saved by grace, not of works. 
You're saved by faith through grace. Your faith in the grace of God, His work, His power given and displayed and, and, and made available on your behalf, not by anything you could do. Your faith in His grace leads to your salvation. Okay? So when it comes to giving, Paul said, I pray that you would excel in this grace. You go, well, I would like to give. I'd like to be generous. I'd like to have that heart. I don't have to do it. God's not asking you to do it in your strength. He's asking you to draw on His grace. That he will empower you to do it by grace. So you can neither be, live a life of generosity and, and kindness in your own strength, or you can do it by the power of grace. Are you with me? And so Paul says here, according which was given you, concerning the grace of God which was given you by Christ Jesus, that you were, watch this, enriched in everything by him. Your life is completely enriched. You have been enriched by him. And people say, well, I just don't feel like I have any value. That's a contradiction to what Paul just said. Your life has been enriched in everything by him, in all utterance, and all what? Knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift. People go, we, to, to, I'm trying to get this across to you in seeing who you are in Christ, knowing that you are one of the, of the highest value of anything else on the earth. You are more valuable to God than anything else. And if you believe in his uh, value that he set upon your life, you'll never have these doubts again. So think about it. You come short or no gift, but people devalue themselves all the time. I don't have the ability. I can't do that. Paul's saying, hey, you come short. Your life has been enriched. You come short of no gift. God has equipped you. You're a benefactor of grace, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, how many have lived a blameless life since you got saved? I'm the only one. None of us have because it's not about who you are, what you do. None of this is about performance. It's all about what he did for you and who you are in him. How could you be blameless? Because you are in him. It's not about you. You bring nothing to the table that qualifies you. It is all in him, by him, and through him on your behalf. God is faithful by whom you were called, look at this, into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So you've been called into fellowship with Christ. Blessed be Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So Paul tells the church at Corinth, your life is enriched in everything. And now he says you are completely blessed with every spiritual blessing. Amen. Just look at somebody and tell them, I'm blessed. People say, how are you doing today? I am blessed. Well, how can you say that? Because... God said so. Look at Now watch this. In heavenly places, where? In Christ. So the blessing is in Christ, but I am in him. Just as he what, chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. How you can be holy without blame? Because I'm not qualifying myself. I'm qualified in him. Amen? having predestined us to the adoption as sons and daughters by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of what? His will, amen, to the praise of the glory of what? 
His grace by which He has made us accepted in the Beloved. By His grace, you are accepted by God. Anytime you devalue yourself, you don't see yourself qualified, you're comparing yourself with one another, you're believing a voice and a lie that does not come from God. Amen. Amen. Look at 1st, 2nd Peter chapter 1. It says, grace and peace be what? Multiplied to you. Now watch this. Here's what's so important. Why do I do the thing? This is my Bible. Why do I encourage you to bring your Bible? Why do I encourage you to take notes? Why do I type notes? Why do I get this to you? Why do I preach so much to you? Because grace and peace are only multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. It's not enough for you to rely on me to know. Somewhere along the line, you have to get hungry to know. You have to say, I want to know. Paul said it like this. He says, I want to know him. Amen. I want to know him. I want to know. I'm not satisfied hearing. I want to know. As me, I, 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 I like watching sports. I prefer playing sports. The last several years since I tore my Achilles and, 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 and uh, uh, some of my calf muscles, I can't run like I should. So I don't play baseball anymore. I, I, I can't play. I can't. I never could jump. White men can't jump. You know, I can't do that. <laughs> Made a whole movie about us being, you know, white men can't dance. We have CRD, Caucasian Rhythm Disorder. Amen. We have all that stuff. And so I'm dealing with all that. So I just accept my deficiency, but I still like to play golf. And when I play golf, I'm competitive. Amen. I, I want to compete. I want to be in the game. I want to do. I don't want to just watch. I don't watch somebody. I don't want to watch somebody else do ministry. I want to be inspired. I want to hear somebody else preach. I want to hear somebody say. And I want to say, God, I want to do that. I want to know. I want to know you. I want to know you working in my life. I want to live. I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to be on the sideline. I want to be in this life with you. And so. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ as his divine power has given us all things. Look at that. That pertain to life and God. He's given you everything that pertains to life and to God. We're pursuing the stuff we already have. Now what? How do we have that? Through the knowledge of him. Bring your Bible. Take notes. Expect God to say something to you even through me. Expect him to say something to you. Watch it. Who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given. Look at this. Exceeding great and precious promises. Well, pastor, could you study them and tell, them what they, tell us what they are? No. They're given to you. Find out. Go get them. These promises are given to you. Well, what are they? I don't know. I, you have one of these just like me. They're in here. I have to open it and read. Can I just Google it? Hey Siri. Yo Google. They will even tell you. Are you doing alright? But you have to desire to know. Because if you just hear them, they won't mean anything to you until you want to know them. And then once you know them, you will see if you hear it, you can be moved off of it. If you know it, nobody can move you. Are you doing all right? So watch it. That by these, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
God gives us the power to be overcomer. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, Paul says this to the church at Ephesus. He says, therefore, also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So Paul is praying, I'm praying for you. As your pastor, I pray for you. Father, open the eyes of their understanding. Let them see. Let them know. Let them have knowledge of who they are in Christ, of your value that you've set upon them, of the promises that belong to you, of the nature you have imparted them. Father, let them walk in the fullness of all that you have redeemed them to be. Amen. Paul prayed that way. So let me ask you this. Have you ever wondered why ownership changes the value of certain items? You would have bought, you, 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 you could have bought the exact same car as Elvis Presley. And when I wrote that, I was putting that together, I thought maybe I'm going to make it something that not everybody, how many do not know who Elvis Presley was? <laughs> Just checking. I'm getting older and people are getting younger. Amen, something like that. But anyway, so Elvis, you know, we know, or, you know, Younger guy, Justin Bieber, whoever is cool right now, I don't know, and that. And so all that stuff. But you could have bought the same car as a pop star, rock star, movie star, whatever kind of star. Fallen star, who cares? <laughs> but yet your ownership and their ownership ascribe different value to that car. You owning the exact same car and somebody like that owning the exact same car changes its value. Think about it. Not because the car was different, but because of ownership. Do you understand that? It's not because there's anything different about it. It's exact, you could have ordered it exactly the same as whatever car. I want exactly, I want the exact same car that they have. But if you had it and then you went to sell it, it would be less than if theirs went up for sale. Think about it. So let me ask you this. How do you know how much you're worth? How much are you worth? Well, let's see, I have so much equity in my home, I have this much, I have this much in the savings. No, that's what you've acquired, not what you're worth. What you've accumulated could change in a heartbeat. We have friends, family members, people. Last year, over 15,000 families lost everything they own in paradise couple days everything they were worth changed so did they lose their worth they lost things they acquired but in America today we value ourselves by what we have accumulated and acquired and if we haven't accumulated or acquired as much as somebody else we don't give ourselves the same value God doesn't work like that. God doesn't move by that. Luke 12 verse 15 says this, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he owns. So your value, how much are you worth? How much are you, every one of you as an individual, worth? This much. You're worth this much right here. You're worth God's only son. 
God paid the ultimate price, an immeasurable price. You, you can't place value on Christ. But that's a price that was paid for you. Are you with me? And with that price, there came ownership. Ownership is attained through purchase. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20 says, For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so God has purchased a price for you. Uh, I, I heard uh, my friend Tim Delina was sharing a message, and, and he kind of inspired some of this. But he was sharing this about Sotheby's auction in New York City. And he said lots of items that, that belong to some wealthy people have been sold there through the auction. Churchill's desk, C.S. Lewis's pipe, a sheet of music by Bach, and then some rather random ideas sold for unbelievable amounts like these. Napoleon's toothbrush. Somebody actually said, hey, I want that. I want Napoleon's toothbrush. Orthodontist, I don't know what, whoever it was. But anyway, the guy said, I want that. And paid $21,000 for Napoleon's toothbrush. I'd give some, I'd take five bucks. Anybody want to give me five bucks for my old toothbrush? <laughs> it's mine. You could have it five bucks. I mean, yeah. Jackie Onassis's fake pearl necklace. She had a fake pearl necklace. You know, they, somebody paid $215,000 for a fake pearl necklace. JFK's wooden golf clubs, $771,000. And they're just going to stand in a corner or on a pedestal behind glass and never be used again. They're just going to be there. Hopefully the guy's not using Napoleon's toothbrush. This one was interesting. John Lennon's toilet from his English estate. Somebody paid $14,700 for John Lennon's toilet. Cool toilet. Whose is that? Well, John Lennon went doo-doo there. That's, I just had to have it. Had to have it. Awesome. What a memory. Amen. Value. What Value based on what? Ownership. Ownership. None of these items are even remotely worth what they were sold for. They have no intrinsic value. So what made them so valuable? Why did they sell for so much? They were valuable because of who they belonged to. Get this. They were valuable because of who they belonged to. I said on the, on the cover, if you knew who you are, if you knew whose you are, and the value that he has set upon your life, it would change your whole outlook. These items were valuable because somebody famous or notable owned them. But they were value because of ownership. Your value is now based on ownership. Not because of who you are, but because God has purchased you at a price and you now belong to him. And he has set his value upon your life. Are you doing all right? You see, when it comes to identity, value, and direction, I have to understand that I am in Him, and I now have immeasurable value, and I am glory-bound. Amen? 
That's where we live. But see, too many speak of their lives as unrestored and devalue their life even to themselves. And, and I pray this morning that God would speak into your heart. And, and, and I'm really believing for a breakthrough for several here this morning, many here this morning in this area. Because so many times we keep valuing ourselves by the standard of this world and not by the standard of who we are in Christ. And what happens is anytime just one person believes in who they are in Christ and the value that God has set on their life and lives out to discover really what that means, there's no limit to what God can do through the power of just one who wants to know. Amen? Hear me this morning. Paul declares that God's ownership over our lives through the purchase price of the life of his son has enriched everything in our lives. Every area and every aspect of our life has been enriched. When we get saved, nothing in our lives is off the table. Everything is enriched. The moment you get saved, every aspect of your life is enriched. Every part of it. His ownership enriches every area of our life. He adds value to lives that no one would have given anything for. When I got saved, people said, I'm sorry, we can't use you. You have failures in the life. We can't use you. I'm glad God said, I can. The world said, you failed at this. You made mistakes at this, at that, and that. You have no value. You messed up. You didn't do this, da, 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 da. And, and the world discards us. God never discards us. He redeems us and sets his value upon our lives. Hallelujah. You see, they, the, the world, he adds value to lives no one would have given anything for or seen any value in. The day you became a Christian, your value skyrocketed. Not because of anything about you changed, because you are now his possession. Because of ownership, you are now in him. I bet. That makes you invaluable. Think about it. In him. There's so much significance found in the truth of who we are in Christ. One theologian researched and found 164 references in the writing of the Apostle Paul to being in Christ. That means in Paul's epistles 164 times, to every epistle, to every church that he wrote, there's one thing he wanted the believers to know, to the saints. I want you to know who you are in Christ. That's what he said to the church of Corinth. He said, who you are in him and who he is in you. Christ in you. What? The hope of glory. Amen. And then understanding that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. How? According to the power that works in us. Whose power? God's power in us. How much of his power? All of his power. Amen. Now watch this. Think about it. See, in him is a strange term. We can hardly find a comparison to it in ordinary life. If a person spent years researching someone and being with them to be able to write a biography about them, they might say that they feared him, admired him, revered him, or even loved him, but they would never say that they were in him. Amen. I love my friend Michael Fay. Michael Fay is a, a very interesting gentleman. Super, you guys don't know him, but he, has, he just has an amazing life and a background. And the more I'm around him, I find out all this stuff he does. I say, dude, you are so interesting. Just an amazing guy. Amazing, amazing guy. But I, 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 I'm friends with Michael, but I would never say I'm in him. You go, well, that's a little far there, Pastor. A little weird, you know. So we, you know, we, we, we would never do it. How many know what I'm saying? But Paul says, wait a minute. Now get this. Big Al, come here again. Come here, my friend. You're, you're just so perfect for this. 
Look at this guy. This is how big Jesus is in your life. I just love this guy. Stand right up here on this step. Right in front of me. Turn around. So watch this. This is, this is my Jesus. Now look, I'm lost in him. It is awesome. I love this guy. And he is so cool. But I, in him, in him, it's not, you, you don't see me, you see him. And, and if I'm in him, I am in all that he is. Hey, Ben. All right. I was trying to look for somebody really small, a guy who wouldn't have a kid in here. But, but if, if there's a little child over here, and it would be nothing but, but this is, look, at all of his fullness. Now look it. And of his fullness, 1 John 1, of his fullness we have received. Now see, God doesn't give you part of him. He gives you all of him. And the reason I use out, because you, you, every one of you needs a bigger God. I'm going to tell you right now, your vision and image of God in your life is way too small. And how you see yourself in him. You need a bigger vision of who God is in your life and who you are in him. You have an amazing God. He is beyond your comprehension. And everything he is, he gives to you. He doesn't just give you. He doesn't just go, well, here, you can have this part of me. And you, you don't just get the finger. You don't just get the hand. You don't just get the arm. You get all of God. Now, there's references to the finger of God, the hand of God, the arm of God, and all that stuff. But God only gives you that. He gives you his heart. You have the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. You have every part of man. And, and you're, you, listen, you are baptized into the body of Christ. Amen. I'm in you, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. You're awesome. Amen. Give Al a hand. Amen. Hallelujah. I love that guy, man. I love the men of this church. God has blessed us with amazing men. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So in Christ, but, but in that, we would never say that. But Paul says, that's who you are. You are in him. Your identity is gone. Listen to me. The world works to place identities on you. Like I said earlier, they want you to see yourself by your race. They want you to see yourself by your economic standing. They want you to judge yourself by your education. They want you to judge yourself by all these other standards. Instead of, But God says, I don't judge you by anything. I put you in my son. And I put you in my fullness. And that is who you are. When I see you, I don't see who you were because I redeemed you from that. And now I have completely restored you to your original character. How many have ever seen Barrett Jackson auctions? The car auction, Barrett Jackson? Some of the guys and some of the hot rod chicks, cool. All right. <laughs> and so in that, but what it is, is they take cars, some of the cars they bring across there, they sold when I was in high school. Ray has a Roadrunner, and, and when it sold, it's probably like $3,700, $4,200, something like that when he bought it. He could sell it now for over $50,000. One, because it's old, so that's like me. I'm more valuable. Amen. So. <laughs> But, but, in that, but, but it's been restored to original, and so, but, but that's what God takes you and what time and everything else and what the world and decay and the rust and the breakdown, and God said, this is what I do. This is what the fall, it broke down, and nobody ever had much value, but I have restored you, and now your value is bond what anybody ever would have thought. Nobody ever would have thought that that roadrunner would be over $50,000 or be over $70,000. He watched some of his cars over $100,000, and you could have bought them for $3,500 when they came off 
the showroom floor. Why? Because God restores you and gives you value beyond anything you will ever see in yourself. And if you ever believe in who you are in Christ and quit believing the lie of this world and letting the world put its identity and its value upon you, God will break through in your life in a measure beyond what you can ever comprehend. Amen. So worship team comes back. The Apostle Paul declared above everything else that he was in Christ. And it changed everything about him. From his mission and purpose in life to everything in his speech. Because if our Christianity ever becomes a heart thing, then it will become a speech thing. Many of us have God in our head. We just need to get him into our hearts. Because God only in my head is proven when my heart is speaking something to what I, contrary to what I say I believe. God in my heart changes my speech. And we go from I can't to I can. I can't means all me. I can means all him. I can't means my own strength. I can means by the power of His grace. Are you with me? You see, Jesus is mentioned by Paul 17 times, just in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, 17 times in 31 verses. Why? Because Paul can't stop talking about Jesus. Paul says, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Every time I turn around, nine times in the first nine verses. Jesus. Jesus this, Jesus that, in Christ, in Jesus, in God the Father, Father, Jesus, 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 Jesus. If you ever get that inside you, it changes everything. Paul was passionate about everyone knowing the truth about their value in Christ. And how he came to enrich everything in their lives. But here's the paradox of our value. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15, Paul says, This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Then Paul says this, of whom I'm chief. Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. In the church at Corinth, he writes this, starts the letter to the church at Corinth like this. 1 Corinthians 1.1 I, Paul, called to be an apostle by the will of God. Wait a minute, I thought you were the chiefest of sinners. Yeah, but that's before redemption. But the will of God for my life was to be a vessel for His glory. God's will for your life was for you always to be a vessel for His glory. Every one of you. God's will for your life is to be a vessel for your glory. And all God ever sees in your life is what He created you to be. That's all He ever sees. And when He redeems you, He restores you to what He created you to be. When I got saved, like I said, people said, we can't use you. You have all these failures in your life. And I don't know what it was. It wasn't, I wasn't being arrogant or anything. And I, I just said, because I actually was applying for a credential with an organization. I said, hey, I, wanna, I went to Bible school. I graduated. want to get my credential. And they said, we're sorry we can't use you because of this failure in your life. And, and I wouldn't be sarcastic. I just said, well, that's okay. 
I think I'll just serve God and see what happens anyway. You're saying you don't need me. I think I'll just serve God and see what happens. And so the night I graduated from Bible college, a pastor walked up and said, hey, why don't you come be on staff at our church? Okay, I didn't, I didn't apply anywhere or do something. And then we went through that transition and some people go, hey, why don't you come be the pastor at our church? Okay, and we, every time we went face transition, somebody would come and God kept moving us from one place to the next place. When we came time to come here, we're planting the church and God had us in transition. And then somebody said, hey, have you ever thought about going up in the foothill area and planting a church? I said, no, I've ever not thought about that thought. Next thing you know, we're up here planting a church. But I just said, I think I'll serve God and see what happens. Are you, are you listening to me? And so Paul says, hey, I, Paul, called to be. What I'm telling you is that when the world would throw you away, when the world sees no value, you need to hear the voice of God says, hey, I've called you to be. And I have purpose for your life. And if you'll just say, God, I'm going to live to see. I'm just going to serve God in spite of what people say, in spite of what people place upon me, in spite of labels. I'm going to serve God and see what happens. Amen. I'm inspiring myself. I'm going to get saved and answer the call of God. Amen. Hear me. Because the heart of God is always to forgive and to restore, He takes those that the world discards, devalues, and redeems them to Himself and enriches everything in their lives beyond anything they could ever imagine. And then He declares this. You know what God has said over your life? He's made this declaration. I will never put you up for sale. I didn't redeem you and I didn't restore you to sell you back to make money off of you. Are you listening to me? That isn't how God works. He never puts you up for sale. So hear me, it doesn't matter how the world or those in it see you. God sees that you are worth the price of His Son. He has redeemed you, paid in full your debt to sin, and now has declared you to be free and completely restored to your rightful place in Him. So I want to challenge you today to never again let your life be sold on the auction block of this world for mere pennies when you are a priceless treasure to God. Stand with me this morning. ask you just to bow your heads for a moment thank you Holy Spirit for moving upon hearts and lives thank you Holy Spirit for speaking to your people this morning thank you Holy Spirit for showing each one their value and revealing to them your call and your purpose in their life Father right now in the name of Jesus I break every lie of this world off of your people in Jesus name Father I pray this morning that the eyes of their understanding many right now will be open that they would feel the weight of peer pressure comparisons competition acceptance to be lifted off of them right now knowing that they are fully accepted by you and in you, you have enriched their life in every area. And you have set your value upon them that is beyond measure. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, this is just real simple this morning.
I really believe God has a breakthrough for many lives here this morning. If you have struggled with identity based on value, feeling like you don't have the same gifts, you don't have the same looks, you don't have the same talents, the abilities, all those things you haven't acquired as much, any of that pressure associated with you sensing value in your life is not an identity that comes from God. That is not who you are. In Christ, in Christ, you are the treasure of heaven. And you are worth the price of God's only Son. You are a priceless treasure to God. And ownership by Him has raised your value. It doesn't matter whether the world ever sees it. Your value is now set by God. And you are the same value of any other person. Everybody in the body of Christ is of the same value to God. So this morning, the Holy Spirit, by His power, will break that yoke of false identity and value off of your life. If you want to be free in any one of these areas, in anything that has to do with identity, value, pressure, uh, just any of those areas right now, just move from where you are. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm asking you to move right now to this altar in Jesus' name. Just move. God's going to break that right now off of your life. It's going to be broken right now in Jesus' name.